uh, Jacob's dream at Bethel. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top, with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I may return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. But, uh, thank you very much for reading uh, to us uh, this morning. That's, uh, that's great. Um, I wonder what sort of pillow you all slept on last night. Was it uh, a, a nice feather one or an allergy-free pillow? Was it a lumpy one, or a soft one, or too hard? Just imagine if your pillow was a stone and your bed was the hard ground. I imagine you would not have slept very well. To be honest, some of us don't sleep very well anyway these days, even on the softest of pillows. But uh, there we go, that's another story, isn't it? Because we've got a few lumps and bumps in our lives, perhaps. Jacob was running away from his family. He was in fear for his life because he had just cheated his brother out of his inheritance. The further he runs away, of course, from home, the less familiar he becomes with the land through which he is passing. Just a thought at this time for those who have run away from home, perhaps those who felt trapped in their homes, particularly younger people, maybe trying to escape even at this sort of time. His first night away from home, though, he is so tired that he does manage to fall asleep. And he dreams a dream which is just as vivid when he wakes up as when he experienced it. Not all of us have dreams like that. Some of us have completely forgotten them, I expect, by the, first, by the time we wake up in the morning. But others of us have, do have dreams 
I won't ask you this morning, you'll be pleased to hear, I'm not going to ask you about the dreams you had last night. That's, uh, that's, that's for yourself to think about. <laughs> this dream or vision was memorable for many reasons, but there are two particular reasons that I would like to pick out for you this morning. First, it contained a vivid vision. That's two, two Vs for you, vivid vision. Jacob sees heaven opened. He sees God himself. And he sees the angels ascending and descending, going up and down on this staircase. Some people, of course, we always refer to it, don't we, as the vision of Jacob's ladder. But uh, I think more accurately, I understand, it's, it's, it's a staircase. And perhaps you could imagine one of those grand staircases that go up uh, in, a, in a big... Uh, in, a, in a large building. The one I always remember is the staircase in uh, with the Wills Memorial Building in Bristol. If any of you have ever been in that building uh, where I studied for three years, so I used to see it up and down. And uh, that big grand staircase that goes up either side uh, up into, onto the first floor. But that's the sort of, uh, sort of picture perhaps that we should imagine, not just the sort of um, ladder leaning against the wall that you put up when, or Adrian puts up when he goes into a loft to look at what it's like. It's uh, not that sort of ladder. This was a grand staircase. The angels coming up and down. Uh, 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 an overwhelming sort of picture, isn't it? Uh, of it stretching all the way from earth right up into the highest heavens. An amazing, vivid vision that would stick with Jacob and which would be recorded and has stuck with so many people. Jacob seeing heaven opened, God himself, and the angels coming up and down. God, if you like, not so remote that he cannot reach down into heaven, in, into the earth. The earth, which is sort of dangerous and full of fear for Jacob, yet God is in touch. God is at work on the earth. That's the meaning, if you like, the, the, of this vision that, he, that we are receiving. Uh, and uh, when I thought, of, when I read of this story about this vision, I was reminded of, of the vision of Stephen that I read at the, right at the start of the service, of him looking and seeing the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, seated in the heavenly place. And he sees heaven opened in the way in which, if you like, um, the, in the way in which... Um, Jacob saw heaven opened as well. So it contained a vivid vision, and it contains a memorable message. The message that Jacob receives is, I am with you. I will not leave you till I have finished the job that I have for you. I will make you a great nation. Now at that point in Jacob's life, he must have felt that his uh, he, he was certainly not capable of becoming part of a great nation. He'd run away, he was on his own, he had nothing really to take with him. And um, he, 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 you might have, he might have felt, well, how can I possibly, uh, how can this ever possibly happen to me? But I guess that he must have held on to this particular message as he went his way and to see what happened to him in his life. Because he had this message that told him that he would be fruitful, that God would make of his life a great nation. 
the same message, actually, the course that God had given to his grandfather Abraham and to his father Isaac. How was this going to be fulfilled? This, this vision gave, this, this message gave to Jacob the promise that his life would be fruitful because God's hand was upon him. Centuries later, I now want to just take you forward into John chapter 1 and to read, share with you a few uh, verses from John 1, 43. And this is a story which has a similar sort of reference as you'll come to, as you'll come to it. So John records that Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now that verse immediately takes you back, doesn't it, to Jacob, to his vision, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nathaniel, of course, was amazed that Jesus had seen him and knew who he was before he was ever introduced. And that was, uh, I guess, that when Jesus told him what his thoughts had been or what he'd said, that he would have been rather embarrassed by them. He sort of said, uh, can, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It warns us, doesn't it, to not to be prejudiced about people from perhaps backgrounds and different situations and circumstances that we might, might come across. It's so easy, isn't it, to think, how can anything good come out of that? Um, and uh, how can anything good come out of that situation? But we have to be open to the fact that God uses people who have very different backgrounds and situations and circumstances to our own. God is able to work his way and his purposes in people's lives, even though people may seem most inappropriate. Uh, God can use anyone and any situation. We can, should never adopt a prejudicial approach towards other people. So this wonderful promise that Nathaniel received, I will, you will see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. There's so much we could share from that particular passage as well, but I, I just want to ask you a question now. Do you want to be like Jacob? Do you want to be like Nathaniel to see, do you want to be like Stephen to see heaven opened? Do you want to see God at work fulfilling his purposes for the world in which we live now. Do you have a vision of what God is doing? God is at work amongst us. God is at work amongst his people. 
he is still active in the world. And God has called us, he has chosen us, just as he called and chose Jacob and Nathaniel. He's got a purpose for us, and it is an ongoing purpose, that we are here, as it were, to be mediators between heaven and earth. We see heaven opened when we see the Lord Jesus Christ seated at the right-hand side of the Father. We see who Jesus is. He is God. We have caught a glimpse in our lives of what God is doing, of what heaven is all about. Jesus, of course, came, and this is what's referred, meant, I think, in the, in the passage here about the angels descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is saying, I'm like that staircase to heaven. The Son of Man, ultimately, Jesus is the bridge. He is the stairway. He is the one who actually facilitates heaven touching earth. By nature, earth is separate from heaven. There is no way between God, who is perfect, and earth, which is not perfect. But Jesus is the one who makes that way possible for the angels to come to and fro, if you like, between heaven and earth. He's the ultimate go-between. He's made a way, not only for the angels to ascend, but for us to ascend into the presence of God to be able to worship him. That's what this story, this picture is about for us. It's possible, of course, uh, that we may feel a bit desolate at the moment, rather like Jacob. This virus crisis has thrown the lives of many of us off the track which we were following. It's diverted and frustrated us. And it may be that we're saying, well, how is what has happened part of God's life purpose for me? I thought I knew which way I was going. I thought my life was sorted. I thought things were straight, you know, that I knew what I was doing to serve God. I knew why I was here. And then this intervention comes along and stops me doing many of the things that I normally do and that I felt I wanted to be doing. How can this be part of God's plan for me, for my life? The truth is, of course, that wherever he has placed us, we are there for a reason. We too, as Christian believers, are a go-between or a link, bringing heaven into the places of earth that are desolate, that are separate from God. We are a means because God's spirit is living in us by which God can touch the world in which we live and which needs the touch of God to change it and make it new and to restore it to what it wants to be. This is what the kingdom of heaven is actually, I think, all about. That's what Jesus talks about when he talks about the kingdom of heaven coming on earth. Yes, it's hard to understand how these restrictions of coronavirus are part of that plan. Certainly, it's, it, it continues to be a struggle for me to understand this. But we have to hold on at times like this to the promises of God in the scriptures. We need a vivid vision of the reality of the power of God in heaven. 
We need to have that picture of God being still at work, still active, still doing things in the world in which we live. We need that memorable message that he has a plan for us, that he'll not leave us until it is complete. And that verse actually in Genesis reminded us of Jesus' promise to the disciples, I will never leave you or forsake you. Go into all the world. I'm going to make a great nation of you. I'm going to make my kingdom come through you. Um, and I will never leave you or forsake you. I will always be there until my plan for you is complete and fulfilled when you yourself meet with me in heaven. His plan may, to some extent, be beyond our grasp to understand with our minds. We may see, feel that we're a very small part of it. We may not feel we have the key role that Jacob had with his 12 sons and daughters as well, the productive role, if you like, that he had in the, in the nation of Israel. Uh, but we still are part of God's kingdom. We all contribute to the fruitfulness of his people and to the ultimate establishment of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We are bringing, uh, we are bringing heaven to earth. And that is why we are here. That is our purpose. That is the message that we have to hold on to, the vision we have to retain. I found a lovely quote from Matthew Henry, which I thought I'd just share with you. Our duty is always to keep heaven in our eye and earth under our feet. All right, you got that? Our duty is always to keep heaven in our eye and earth under our feet. Right. Heaven touching earth as we, as we work, as we walk, as we go, as we touch the lives of other people, even during this time of lockdown when we cannot physically touch one another, so difficult to meet. Our lives do affect other people and we are able to influence them by what we do and who we are, by how we pray, by how we cope with the situation in faith. And finally, just to return to that pillow theme, Romans 8 tells us that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. John Stott describes this as a pillow on which to lay our weary heads. So when you can't sleep tonight, <laughs> when you're worried, just remember this truth. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the truth which enables us to go through our daily lives with confidence that God has our lives in his hands. That he has that plan for us which will be fulfilled. That he is always with us until that plan for our lives is complete. And that as we walk in his plan, in his way, we will enable heaven to touch earth and to change it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these stories that we have in the scriptures. We thank you for the lessons that we are able to learn from them. 
And we pray that you would help us even at this time to sense that you are at work amongst us by your touch, bringing life and love and restoration, bringing your kingdom to earth. We thank you for Jesus who came as the, and becomes that way from earth, heaven, from earth to heaven, that way in which you reach down to touch us in our lives. We pray that you would do that by your spirit even now, that at the point at which we need your touch, you would speak to us with love and restore us and give us faith and confidence in the future that lies before us. Father, we bless you and we praise you and we thank you that you reach down to Jacob, that you reach down in Jesus to his first disciples and that you reach down now to us as your followers. Father, take our lives and use them for your glory, we pray in his name. Amen.